Hi everyone, welcome back to the Coach Your Podcast. Before we get started this week's episode, just want to signpost you towards a couple of things. First one, on Saturday 24th of June, we'll be participating in the first Coach Help Charity Walk. This will take place in the Peak District. There's a great opportunity for coaches and practitioners to come along and share ideas and reflections on the season while we make money for a great cause, the Parkinson's disease research. Second part, feel free to get in touch to find out more about how our um, reflection and mentoring service works. We can help plan your uh, own personal development and help manage reflections and provide support and feedback. On to this week's episode. And sometimes you might have an under eight saying, come on, what are you doing there? You know, why have you not passed? I'm wide open. Well, actually, that kid might have seen something different. And as you create a relationship with each, with each other, that's when you get your decision-making based on what's better for you as an individual and then as a team. But rather than the coach saying, you should have passed, the kid might say, oh, you, you could have passed there. That's better than the coach saying it. So it just sort of, the how, I think, child-centered environment, how you do that. Hi Matt, uh, thanks for joining us on the Coach Out podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time um, to join us. Um, just firstly, just give us a little bit of a, a rundown about you, what you're up to at the minute, mate. Yeah, so good morning. Um, so my name is Matthew. Um, I'm the head coach and founder of Freedom Football. Uh, Freedom Football, we're um, a small coaching company based in Warrington and Manchester. Um, we are in... Uh, nine schools, I think, in Warrington and three in Manchester. And a lot of those uh, schools that we that we uh, coach at, we do lunchtime clubs, bit of PE, after school clubs, um, support teachers with any sort of CPD that they may have. Um, and then we have our uh, development centre sessions, development club sessions. So we've got under sevens to under 10 teams. Um, and we've got uh, kids for... Uh, sessions for little kids on the weekends as well so yeah it's a small company but we're, we're growing and um that's sort of what we're up to the minute what's the motivation behind it because i always ask this thing we're like obviously kind of small coaching companies and stuff what's the actual motivation from you yeah so freedom football um i've been coaching a little bit about myself uh, before freedom football um i've been coaching abroad for about eight years i've been in america spain uh, Bahrain, um, coaching for multiple professional companies and professional teams. And then when I returned to England about a year and a half ago, I was with Salford City. Um, that was a, a brilliant experience, really good fun. What they do um, in the community and schools is is fantastic. And I just got to a point around a year ago, actually, it was, it was March, that I was um, having a lot of success for Salford City and I thought, why not do that in Warrington, which is where I'm from? Um, also in and around Manchester, where I've got sort of family. Um, and that's where it's sort of come from, really. So I thought I'd start Freedom Football. My sort of philosophy is let them play. There's no telling kids what to do, no shouting, no screaming. Um, and that's why it says Freedom Football. So we want the kids to have freedom to go out, be themselves, have their own personality, Um and yeah, that's that, like, that's pretty much uh, what we aim to do every time with Freedom Football is give the kids, whether it's a, a lunchtime club, whether it's an under eight session and we're trying to create technical outcomes, everything we want to try and do is give them the freedom. Um, and we try and create them environments to 
you know, play, just let them play. It's it, sometimes I'm doubting myself here, but it's just when you say it, 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 you see so much of it on a weekend in games that there's so many kids that aren't allowed to just play. So, yeah, that's freedom football. That's what we aim to achieve every week. No, I like that. Again, you mentioned about obviously some of your experiences coaching abroad. Is there anything specifically like, because again, I don't know if you coach academy stuff abroad, grassroots stuff. Um, what kind of things did you maybe pick up from there in terms of them cultures and then brought back here? So the key thing then, right, freedom football means it's giving them the freedom to play. So um, we don't play to win. That's the key thing. That's what I've seen abroad. That's what it was like in America. That's what it was like in in Spain and, and the Middle East. It's you're choosing children to, to win. You want your team to win. Whereas what we're in to achieve is kids to love football through our sessions, through a curriculum, through mini matches, through massive matches. So it could be from 2v2s to 6v6s. Then we've got um, technical and tactical outcomes as well. Um, but that's probably the key thing, right? Our, our aim is to cater for the 99% of children that are never going to be professional. But what we want them to be is, is good adults, good learners, good people, lots of life skills, um, and not that attitude at school of, oh, my team won 7-0 on a Monday. Sort of talk in a different way and that's probably the key centered can we make it about them and talk to them there's a little bit of a difference so if there's kids on a monday we'll speak to at a lunchtime club or an after school club and they play for another team we'll say how was your weekend some of them the first thing they'll say oh we won 10 nil and straight away that's not what was my question it was did you enjoy your weekend so i think that's those small details that we try to achieve through education of children in our sessions and teachers um, and parents and yeah I think that's the, the key thing from experiences abroad is everything's set up to win it's more about the money um, and that's why I sort of set up set this up about a year ago yeah and how do you find kind of managing that because again <clears throat> I think everyone's the the concept and the idea is unbelievable again a, a parent that walks through the door and thinks that they're son or daughter is the next big thing or because or, again I can think of the conversations already in terms of like parents on the sidelines at times but how do you manage that from like day one so a kid signs for you is there something with the parents straight away is there some sort of way that you try and educate them on what they're actually coming into with you yeah so it, it's from day one we have a, a clear outline of what we try to achieve that there's if it's in that team again we're talking about teams a little bit here, but we do have sessions for two-year-olds and four-year-olds yeah. and, and that sort of stuff on Saturdays. And even during the week, we have mini-match sessions. Like last night, we had our massive match sessions, which was uh, 5v5, and we played Connect 4. When you scored a goal, you go and get a cone, you put it on a white one, and you try and connect four. So the quicker you score, the, the, the more opportunities you get to uh, get goals for your team. But it's literally outlined that, from from joining us, this is what we are. We're, we're professional football coaches. You know, there's no parents involved. There's no politics. It's you come in here to, to be in a professional environment that's child-centred and, and a long-term development plan. And quite honestly, there's not been one parent that, that we've had an issue with in terms of winning. 
um, playing time because it's all set out before the game of who's playing where. We rotate positions every two weeks. So there's no surprises for parents. The only surprise is, is probably for us, and that probably answers your questions, that how do you manage it? Well, we've outlined at the beginning of the season, I think as a company we could do better with our paperwork. You know, we do have a bit of um, of like a handbook, a um, bit of a policies and procedures, but we've never really had to give it to families. It's been a lot of verbal and the conversations we have each month as well, the outline of what we're trying to achieve. We have Monday messages after the weekend games. Um, I think another thing as well is, is emotion. If, if you're playing to win, you create an emotional environment for the children and the parents. Um, and that's where you, you, you get issues, I think. And then if you've got a child who's freezing for 35 minutes and then comes on with five minutes to go because you're winning 7-0, um, that's where your issues um, come from. And again, I'm probably waffling a bit here, but no, it, it just it, we, in terms of managing it, we just have conversations. We've just had a family join with us last night who plays for a Saturday team, enjoys himself. We want a bit more football and the family want a more professional environment. They want a bit more structure. And sometimes I say those things that might belittle a grassroots coach, but what grassroots coaches do are amazing, but unfortunately sometimes they're not mentored or given the help to create an environment that might be above grassroots and below academy, and that's what we try to achieve. And I've been a grassroots coach. I've done my level ones and youth mods and levels two, and I had to go to grassroots clubs to achieve that when I was flying back from abroad and coming back to England. It's now... I just feel we can, what we're trying to achieve with Freedom Football is bridging that gap between grassroots and academy that we're catering for the 99%. But actually, if there is a parent that, oh, my kid's the next best thing, well, in an honest way, I'll tell them they're not <laughs> because yeah. they, they wouldn't be with us. But also there are kids that are with us that are very special and we've got one or two that have signed for academies this season and we're probably going to announce a little bit on our social media later in the later in the year um, that actually, you know, there is a bit of a pathway with with children and because they've gone away from having their dad or having another parent coach them, it's actually helped the child go to another level that's brought out the best of them because they might have just been playing centre midfield, but now they're actually playing striker and left defence and getting more assist and they're not just the tackler of the team. And yeah, I think that probably answered a few questions that you might have had for me this morning, but I just thought, yeah, that's that's sort of where I'm where I'm at with your question with how we manage it. It's it, it's um, it's outlined from day one. Yeah, because again, there's no like right or wrong way of doing it. Again, I think the more I've worked in, in coaching, it's like some kids really enjoy it and they flourish. Some kids like the pressure. Like there's, again, you, you're providing that different kind of place for them. But again, gone from probably the parents kind of education anyone who kind of works for you or is a coach within your system, what does that pathway look like for them in terms of like, are they educated from day one to come in? Do you go out and try and find people to fit like your philosophy? How does that work? Really good question. Yeah. So that's probably been the adversity that I've had as a head coach now of the company since January. So we've grown this time last year, we had one school, and we had a Saturday morning session. Now, like I said, we're in a few schools. So that means more coaches, right? So that's yeah. 
that's another thing you've got to educate your parents and educate your children to create good environments for them to to thrive and learn and like I say be good kids but the same thing from our coaches and been really fortunate to be honest with coaches we've we've put adverts out there we've had word of mouth of people join us um and we've sort of built a, a core group of coaches that support everything we do and probably through their own experiences that's that that's why they're with us um you know Lacey, she's our, one of our female coaches she's been with me since day one um, she's absolutely brilliant. She was nominated for a Trafford Award recently um, for Inspirational Young Woman, which is brilliant. Um, the way she talks to children, the way she she conducts herself. I've seen her, you know, go to university, pass a driving test and sort of aligns again of what we try to achieve. We want to create good people. And Liz is a prime example of that. And she had her own coaching background. She played football. Um, she watches football, you know, she's a Man City fan, so she watches that every week, women as well. Um, and we, we mentor all the coaches, we we say to them, this is what we try to achieve. We we sort of have a practical interview, then a mentoring session, um, and then we sort of see within those two sessions across the three or four hours and phone call conversations if they're the right fit for us. And honestly, I think, 90% of people have come to us have stuck with us and the one, two, three people that haven't, it was more about, it wasn't for them, more the coaching, whether it's that in schools, you know, they're so used to having an under nine team and actually coaching isn't just teams, coaching is coaching, coaching is education. The word coaching comes from passing on information yeah. and how you pass on that information is what makes you a coach. So the freedom football way of passing on that information He's asking questions, you know, how can we do that? Why did we do that? Not telling them, um, asking them how the day is. You know, I didn't even, even last night, Lacey said to me her session was a struggle, but she had reception year one and year two, but she um, she managed it, she coached it, and she said consistent with the Freedom Football way. She didn't change anything. And I think based on speaking to after the session, I think probably a year ago, two years ago, she might have sat them all down and said, stop what you're doing, stay still, don't talk. But they're young kids and they've had four, five, six hours of school have been told to learn maths and English. Yeah. And it's the same when you get to 7pm at night. You think that kid's been up for 12 days, then um, you know we're asking them to do some technical and tactical stuff. And yes, they're there for a reason. Sometimes they might not always want to do it. And I think that's probably... Again, I'm like I'm waffling on a bit, but I do like to talk, and it's been consistent with what you're trying to achieve. And I think that's why we've had success with growth of freedom football is being consistent with the coaches. They know what we do and why. Um, we want kids to have fun. We want kids to be good learners. We want to we want to point out the positives, um, and we want to be professional. Um, and that's sort of how we try to add value to whatever schools, teams, sessions we have with, with all the kids and children. No, I like that. Probably just to like <clears throat> maybe put you on the spot and dig a little bit deeper, going back to some of the stuff you said right at the start around your coaching experience, you've done a little bit in this country, you worked abroad. Is there something that you can kind of put your finger on or something maybe around your upbringing? I don't want to get too personal with it, but that makes you want to kind of coach in this way and almost kind of give back? 
is there something like there was a light bulb moment when you were younger? Was there something happened as a I don't know if you played football as a kid where you like, I just want someone to like help me enjoy it. And is that what's influenced how you work? Um not really. So I was born in York and then I was raised in Warrington. Um and my dad was my my coach um yeah. up until I can't remember what age now, 10, 11. Well, my dad was an outstanding coach, but he was my dad. Um, we had a fantastic team in York, Hamilton Panthers. They're still going now. They're all their pitches are next to York Racecourse. Um, so there was always a worry of when the race goers come that they're going to trample all over the pitches. But I think they're maintained a little bit nowadays. And then I played for York City. I played for them for one or two years um, and then didn't quite make it. Um, why I didn't make it, if we talk about my upbringing, I was a very good passer. I was always a really good crosser. Um, I could put a ball wherever you wanted. Um, I could tackle. I was, I'm was. i a Man United fan, so my, my Beckham skulls and Keane was sort of my, my model as a player. They were my heroes growing up, and that's how I tried to play. But I was always right wing. I never played anywhere else. Um, so maybe that's one thing, rotation of positions. That could be a bit of a light bulb moment when I was doing my coaching courses and doing my own coaching that actually why that kid might be good at um, crossing and will win some games, but he needs to try and open his body up using his left foot because when he gets older, you know, he might want to be playing on left wing, especially as, as football's developing. You've got your inverted wingers and um, inverted forwards now, so, you know, you Marcus Rashford. There's a lot of talk of him playing striker, which is great, but his key strength of goals has come from left wing. Um, but he can play right wing as a kid, but he was rotated. He was rotated throughout those three positions growing up. Um, so maybe that's something um, growing up. Um, I think my... And sorry, just to, just to align with that as well, I then became a right back and then I wasn't quick enough to be a right back and then I was a centre back and... I played a bit of football. I was semi-pro in, in Spain. It was actually the Gibraltarian League when they were part of UEFA around 10 years ago now. they become part of UEFA. So we became semi-pro. We were just a pub team. But actually, now, if you, if you look them up, they're called Bruno's. Um, Bruno, um, Bruno Magpies, yeah. So in that first year, we were just a pub team. I think we went out for three days after our first point, which was hilarious. Um <laughs> But then that become a more professional outfit, and and yeah, now they're they're in for Europa League qualifiers. Um, I remember they played somewhere abroad in in last August or something. But yeah, it, it was just in terms of of playing that was another part of of where I've become. But I've become a, a decent centre back. But actually, I could have been in a better position if I'd been rotated as a kid. Um, but probably my first year in America. I went to America. I wasn't really bothered. I just went out there for the lifestyle. And then I got to a point where I was sort of charging money for extra training. Um, the kids were winning games. And it was like, what what happens if we lose? Uh, what, what do we do here? Because do, do, do I stop getting paid? And it was just that sort of moment of coming back. I did my youth mods one and two. And they're the best courses I've ever done. And I think yeah, they're very taken, good, very good courses. Taken, taken away now, I'm sure they have. But right. they're the best courses I've ever had because they were fun. And it was games. It wasn't standing lines and drills. It was activities. It was your risky businesses that I even did last week with kids. Mm. 
it was your, your overloads, your underloads, it was decision-making, um, engaging, that sort of stuff. Um, and it's probably then I just thought, right, let's play to develop now. Let's play for the long term. <laughs> and actually, from a financial perspective, you're going to earn more money because you have more people that come in and actually want to be part of your sessions because you're not playing to win. And nine times out of ten, it looks like on the outside that that's what parents want. But actually, with a bit of education and them actually seeing what you're trying to achieve, they love it. And especially America, because America's got the American dream. that you, you, They'll pay $50 an hour to go and do taekwondo, then boxing, then football. And they do three, four sports a night, um, which is just madness. It really is. And that was probably a key thing that actually we, we promoted that, we would rotate positions, we would play for long-term development and, and et cetera. And that's how things progressed. I remember at our club that we were the coaches at, there was 80 children. And I think now the club's still going. There's over 600 kids with probably your under nines and under tens that have had that right education, actually playing really good football and yes, winning a lot of games, which is great. But obviously the long-term goal for a team that's winning at under nine and maybe top five in the state, well, their long-term goal is being professional footballers. But as long as you're consistent with the way you're coaching, then brilliant, that's success. Yeah, no, brilliant. And again, just to probably tap into the other little bit you mentioned, did you mention Bahrain earlier as well for some coaching? Yeah, Bahrain. So, yeah, Middle East. What was, that was, a... what was different there? Um, What a country it really was. I was very worried going out there with it being a Middle East country and you know, how, how things are perceived, especially in our country. And it was just a beautiful country. It was very westernised, you know, there's women walk around however they want. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of rules out there, but apart from that, it was, what what a country, fantastic. Uh, people, so kind. Um, Bahrain's full of English, full of American people. There's a big um, army bases out there. Um, and lots of football. I was coaching for Southampton, um, it was a really good experience. I think some of the coaches that were there could have been better. Um, I remember day one, we were doing sort of a session. I was coming down and there's under eight kids doing stretches for 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, this is this could be fun. Uh, but that was discussed and we moved on from that. And I think there was a lot of challenges went out there. But in terms of Bahrain itself and its country, its country um it's all about they've got they've got fantastic facilities, and I think again it just comes down to coaching. It was a good experience from a coaching perspective because of of their backgrounds. I mean, like Ramadan, I think that's starting shortly. I've yeah. seen something on Sky Sports yesterday. They're going to stop games for for the Muslims that are fasting, which is brilliant. And that was an eye opener for me because I was like, okay, well, what's this? And they pray and that sort of stuff. Um, which is really important to them. And so it should be, that's, that's, that's their faith. That's their religion. And we supported that. So that was probably things that were um, an eye opener for me. And it opened my sort of coaching brain up a little bit of those kids that maybe don't watch football. Their backgrounds are different. They don't watch it all the time. They can't just go into the street and play football. It's a desert out there. Um, yeah, that, that, I think that's probably the main things, really. I think that was an eye-opener in terms of the religion part, the backgrounds, and the amount of football that they watch. 
but they've got brilliant facilities, fantastic facilities out there. They're opening up all the time. A mate of mine runs his company um, with another friend of mine that goes to the British School of Bahrain. And the, I mean, the facilities they've got there is unbelievable. And the school is absolutely huge. And there's, there's things grown a lot in the last year. And I think, again, having those mini matches, letting them play. I spoke to some of the coaches out there when I was there and they're doing a lot of that now and they're having success there. And that getting away from standing in lines and drills and that sort of stuff has probably helped develop the people that I know that was out there. Interesting. Probably like put you on the spot now and be as controversial as you like. Yeah. Um, just looking to, um, what kind of, what thing or what one thing or things would you take from what you do and your philosophy and would you place into maybe academy football, which you think might improve it? Um, I speak to a few academy coaches. One of my best mates is at Newcastle United and he was with me from year one in America when we weren't really bothered about coaching and, and there he is now. He's got his, his A licence. He sees Eddie Howe every week. Um, I think there's probably too much. It's probably just winning. I, I think since they were bought over, um, I think he said he's felt a bit more pressure. Yeah. You know, but because there's a bit more money involved and there's a bit more the long-term outcomes of an academy is producing footballers, which is a business. It makes money for the football club. And I think that's that's what it is, which is great. That's what you want if it's a professional. But does an under-9, under-13 result really reflect that? Could it mean you lose your job, that you're getting paid 30, 40K a year, which is great money, but how is that coach going to develop with that pressure? And I'd say just pressure. If you've got pressure on a coach, you're going to have pressure on a kid. Because that pressurised adult is going to make different decisions based on what he's trying to achieve. And I think we have a bit of a, a link with a local professional club and them coaches are brilliant. And I think they're quite relaxed. Um, I think that's probably a good thing, but, probably don't know enough to be honest mate I, d I don't know enough of what happens in academy football I don't see the day-to-day -day life but I do know that there's pressure there's probably quite a lot of egos within kids right you know I go I play for Man United I play for you know Rochdale it doesn't matter whether you if, if it's not your local grassroots team if you're playing for one of those teams it might be a bit of an ego I think so maybe ego and pressure and what that comes down to is what is it the environment is it the education is it the winning i'm not too sure but that might be something if you put me on the spot again that's probably how no, I it's, it. it's, re it's really interesting because again academy players still have a bad day or a bad game and they still have then whether they're 15 whether they're 18 they still have the same emotions of like i was poor today i don't think i'm good enough you see the emotions of, again, someone gets subbed off, the kind of, some will be like the sulker and they'll sit and sit on their own, almost want that kind of attention seeking thing. Some others will come, some others will come off and not really care that they've been brought up, brought off. I just think it's a really interesting dynamic whether you're a coach at, like, like I said, Newcastle United or at Freedom Football that, you still got to manage them things, and how do you how do you perceive them things? So, 
as a coach, do I perceive that that player that's come off who's sulking, they care, and the one that comes off that's not sulking, they don't care, but the one that comes across that doesn't care, she might, she or he might be a better footballer. Um, and I just, I think there's a load of stuff, personally, when I ask that question, it's probably loaded a little bit around the stuff you do. I genuinely, the more I've worked in academy football in my career is, I think people that work in the environment you work in would be very, very beneficial to the academy environment in terms of maybe saying to a coach, hold on a second, like, this is how they're feeling. Like, you've got to go and deal with them differently. You don't have to look at Joe Bloggs as the left winger for the under 15 You've got to look at Joe Bloggs as the kid who can't control his emotions. I think that's a really interesting thing. It's the fun part. I think that's probably what it is, fun. You know, if, you, if your curriculum's based on tactical outcomes because you're trying to do X, Y, and Z, it might not be as fun. Um, and, and like you said there, you call them an academy player, which they are, but actually they're not, are they? They're a child. Yeah. And they go to school and they play Fortnite and they might play with Lego and they might, they might still even have a teddy bear in bed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the way you look at an academy player, and that's how what we're trying to do. We look outside of that. They're not a player, they're a person. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's a good point. It's always the why that that's a good thing. My other mates and coaches, they always say, oh, why this? I think everything you do is why. So why is an under 12 child at um, X Academy, you know, wherever it is, a professional academy, why? Because they're really talented. Okay, what about if they're really talented at maths? What? How does that look for them? Is there some extra maths program they're in that they could potentially earn a lot of money out of when they're 16 and they leave school are they getting life skills so i think it's the why right um and and i think as long as people get the right education i'll always go on about it if they're getting the right education and it depends what club you're in you know you the, the hierarchy that are above that run the academies that are above that as long as they're football people and they're not worried about now in the long term i think that's a good thing um, and England, you, you, you said to me before about Bahrain, does England put pressure on? Does Has Southgate resolved that with what he's done and the coaches and how things have looked from the youth phase and the foundation phase and, you know, everything England do when they go to train, all you see is goals, all they play yeah. is matches, all you see is little mini nets. Um, obviously, you've got to have your technical and tactical sessions as well. Um but it's the why. Why does he do that? And again, if we relate it back to England, does everybody know what they're doing? Is that yeah. what separates us to Bahrain and America, that every coach knows what they're doing? Every parent knows what they're talking about? Well, actually, as time goes, I think we've become more educated and parents have been a bit more relaxed. Why? Is it because of England? Is it because the FA have been more, been more relaxed and they've drummed into... Uh, co- coaches and courses that we're not playing to win, we should have equal playing time. I think that's probably a, a thing to highlight that England FA has actually done really well the last few days to just relax a bit mm. and the culture of football <clears throat> and having women's football grow has actually educated, relaxed a lot of people, I think. Yes, you're still going to go to the pub now and you're going to hear, oh, you shouldn't have done that and done this yeah. and done that, but that, you know, that's that's probably in our blood but 
I think deep down now, I think we're we're becoming better educated that you can have conversation with parents and they'll actually have a bit of awareness. Um, Probably the frightening thing is now is when you can't have those conversations, which is wherever it is. Um, So I'd say that's that's another thing of what you said about, you know, the academy players and the coaches is I think as England's had more success and the women, people have become more educated and there's more to see, people are on the phones more. There's more links to read. And actually, just let them play a little bit more. Pete Sturgis, best one out there on Twitter. And unfortunately, he's leaving soon, I think I see. Yeah, I've seen that. Let them play, let them play games. Um, so I think that's that's probably another thing as well, a bit based on your question. Yeah, and I think like you're going through the why a lot. You got me thinking about kind of the how. So to give you like an example from an academy point of view at the minute around where I work as well we played like seven games in 20 days or whatever and you think about the tactical analysis that the players have had to go through in terms of like you sit down you do meetings like this is how we're going to play against the opposition and I've actually challenged the, the analysts to go like brilliant we've got all this information on X team that we're playing the devil now in the detail now is like how are we going to deliver this so does it always have to be 20 players sat on chairs looking at a big screen can we get them stood up moving around the room can they present it can and again I think that goes into training session I feel like when I you I, I'm guessing you will put on very very simple sessions at freedom football and I feel like that's where the detail from you will be around like right you and your staff tonight how are we delivering this? Or how am I going to act in the session? Right, I'm going to be bubbly because the kids have just been on half term and they're a nightmare when the kids come off, off, off being half term, stuff like that. Or I'm going to be maybe a little bit stricter with these two tonight because they need just a little bit of discipline how to do things, but then I'm going to let them go again. I feel like that's where your type of work, again, going back to what people could learn from, especially in academies where it's almost like, tell, tell, tell sometimes. And again, we've got better on the whole, but when you get closer to that like first year environment, it becomes tell again. I think there's some some real stuff in there on like the how do we coach? I think, yeah, to answer that, it's it's all about how you coach it. I think the stop stand still, right? That's, we don't do any of that. It's, it's let them make the mistakes. And if it's in a 3v2, you might just say, Jimmy, just come here a second or Jenny, just come here. Yeah. I, I love I love the way you're keeping the ball close to your feet. Um, and then I notice after you've beaten the defender, you're actually taking your time to put it in the net. When's the right time to score? Uh, um, when I'm next to it. Okay. When you're next to it with with um, nobody in front of you, like who? Uh, no defender. Brilliant. So next time, can you do that again? So that's probably another thing as well with parents. Sometimes parents will say, shoot, shoot, pass. And there's literally none of that. With, with what we do in training and games and it's decision making and I think the stop and stand still um, it comes down to child centred I think if it's coach centred and we're talking about youth ages I get with older ones that they have to have that with the youth ages if 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 you've got your child centred environments there's going to be a lot of mistakes a lot of dis- a lot of decision making a lot of chaos but think how it's going to look in it in six months' time, in a year's time, that those small details of what to do in a 2v1, 3v2, or 
if you're in a 2v3, can you delay and etc. So just to answer what you were trying to say then and how you do that, well, it's ownership, isn't it? Of yeah. Rather than sat down, can they stand up and do it? But then did 10 years ago, did they have a coach that told, told them what to do? So actually, did maybe they have a bit of anxiety or they don't have the self-esteem to stand up. Yes, they could be a great footballer, yeah. but they might not be able yeah. to stand in front of 19 other people. They might be able to put a photo on Facebook or send them a selfie in a WhatsApp group, but when it comes down to it, do they have that ownership or self-esteem to go up and stand in front of everyone? And it relates back to what they're trying to do now. You know, can they do that? Well, how do we create those environments? Well, let them play, let them talk to each other. And sometimes you might have an under eight saying, come on, what are you doing there? You know, why have you not passed? I'm wide open. Well, actually, that kid might have seen something different. And as you create a relationship with each, with each other, that's when you get your decision-making based on what's better for you as an individual and then as a team. But rather than the coach saying, you should have passed, the kid might say, oh, you, you could have passed there. That's better than the coach saying it. So it just sort of the how, I think, child-centered environment, how you do that. Our slogan is um, empowering, engaging, exciting. So do they have ownership? Are they active? Are they having fun? And I think if you tick all them three, brilliant. If you tick two, great. If you tick one, good. <laughs> and like I said to you about Lacey, I had a session last night at school and, and afterwards I was like, I am I am a terrible coach. I was like, that was so bad. It wasn't, the kids had ownership, but they were year one, year two. They had ownership. Uh, they weren't really engaged in playing football. They had a bit of a laugh, but they were more bothered about fooling around. Well, guess what? The year one and year two kids, they're going to they're gonna fool around. They're going to mess. But rather than be that coach or teacher that tells them to be quiet, don't do this, don't do that, I sort of let it happen. And that was the freedom football way. No one was hurt. You know, there was a couple of people upset because it was cold and they weren't running around enough. Well, the reason why they weren't running around is because they were stood next to the net. So that was a challenge. Can you go and score goals? So again, it could be quite easily just turned into a coach-centred environment, but actually it was yeah. a child-centred environment. And next week it might look different and it might not, but with consistency through the education and the way we coach, then hopefully it does become a little bit better. Yeah. No, I love that, mate. Just to just to round up, just take this opportunity if you want, again, just to plug anything from your side in terms of, again, freedom football and what you guys are doing. Yeah, so... Tomorrow, we've got an event with so a few of our partners. First of all, just in terms of, I was talking about Lacey before, just our other coaches. Luke, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, he used to coach for Everton. Um, he plays with St. Helens now. He's a fantastic coach. We've got uh, Amy. Amy's a, a brilliant coach as well. Um, she's just been starting out. She goes to, to college. We've got Abby, who wants to go to UCFB. She plays for Altrincham Women, great person, great coach, quite calm as well, really good. We've got Grace, he's man plays for Man City, um, great little player as well. Uh, Alex, he's just started, he's a semi-pro footballer and pro, used to play for Salford City. Um, we've got Dylan, we've got Keely who've just started out, um, and Liz and Ray. Liz, Liz used to play and coach a few years ago, had some kids since, so... She's been uh, back to it recently and Ray plays football as well. Coaches a bit for Warrington Rylands. Loves the way we coach. That's another thing you said before. 
why why be with us? Well, he loves coaching for Rylands, but actually he likes having that environment of letting the kids play and it's not, you know, he coaches more under 16s, but actually he's used a bit of our philosophy and taken it into his team for them, the 15, 16 year olds lads to enjoy it a bit more. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of a plug because the coaches are brilliant. They are superb. Um, and yeah, we, we partnered with um, Sensible Soccer. So that's owned by Mike Phelan, used to be assistant manager at Manchester United, Dave Horrocks as well. And we've got a huge CPD event tomorrow at our main clubhouse, which is the Fuse. The Fuse is a £6 million building charity that was built 10 years ago to provide for the community. It's in Partington, which is yeah. next to Carrington, the home of Man United. So we've got probably near enough 200 people coming tomorrow to watch our kids play. Me and Mike are going to be putting on a couple of technical and tactical sessions. We're going to be game-based for 5v5 and 7v7. Um, so yeah that's what we're up to tomorrow we've got currently teams that play at Macclesfield's JPL League on a Sunday morning that's going to grow into Saturdays and Sundays next season and if there's any coaches that listen to this and think they're doing it and they're not getting paid then maybe come and send us a message I think there's a lot of volunteers out there that actually are too good not to be getting paid and that's that's the beauty of grassroots football it's so good but actually you could coach your team on a Tuesday and play with them on a Saturday but you could coach with us on another night and get paid a bit more out of it and make a bit more of a career out of it I think that's that's one thing we've tried to do is create a career out of football coaching we're not huge there's a couple of companies out there that have done great things and have made you know a lot of money out of things but actually for us the long-term plan is creating great environments for children and coaches to come and excel and yeah earn a bit of money out of it as well brilliant matt thanks a lot for your time really appreciate no. it thank you mate appreciate it and keep doing what you're doing cheers mate